Welcome to First Unitarian Society of Minneapolis, the birthplace of Congregational Humanism. We carry on that tradition of free thought today, dedicated to promoting a free search for truth, meaning, and justice. Our web address is firstunitarian.org. I'm David Breeden, Senior Minister. Welcome. It's easy uh, to consider religions as immense and old and hidebound, immovable monoliths. It's easy to see them that way, and often religious leaders want to achieve that little view of their religions, the patina of age providing a kind of aloof and unquestionable dignity to a set of ideas that might otherwise seem a little bit absurd. As a matter of fact, often new religious movements strive for just that patina effect, claiming that their very novelty is a return to the ancient roots of a particular religion. Let's forget for a moment the false correlation between ancient and true and think instead about the basics of religion. As a matter of fact, I invite you to think with me a bit about what sort of religion you would invent if an angel suddenly swooped down and told you to found a new religion, you know, sort of like uh, Joseph Smith uh, did back in New York State. Uh, Dream a little, because as uh, Gloria Steinem once said, without leaps of imagination or dreaming, we lose the excitement of possibilities. Dreaming, after all, is a form of planning. Now, where do those leaps of imagination and solid planning meet up? Because we do have to be a little bit practical. What would your religion look like? Or, okay, philosophy, if the word religion uh, sticks in your throat and makes you wince a little bit. Um, What would your philosophy or religion be designed to do? After all, we humanists think that religions are the products of uh, human imagination, after all, uh, human dreaming. Sometimes the tradition goes back millennia, and sometimes it's newfangled. Uh, Of course, a 6,000-year-old religion will have been through some more collaborative cultural changes, lots of people working on it over time, uh, more than a 25-year-old religion. Still, uh, both religions reflect the human imagination, the dreams of human beings. And so, you know, think about it. What kind of religion or philosophy would you invent if that uh, Smith angel flew down to talk with you? What would the goals of your religion be? What would be the central truth or truths of your religion? What would be the rituals and professions of belief? We live in a religiously restless time. We see um, a precipitous fall in time-tested religious traditions and the rise of spiritual not religious, N-O-N-E-S nuns, and the religion of no religion. And in such a time of transition, I'm unconvinced that requiring people to believe in anything in particular is all that helpful. Uh, Rather, my ideal religion would be about praxis, about doing something. 
And my ideal religion would be in the transformation business, personal uh, transformation, social transformation. Because I think that, uh, well, one, one uh, does uh, presuppose the other. A centered person is a person who is prepared to accept personal responsibility, accept civic duty, and is prepared to act for justice. So when I'm thinking about uh, what religion could look like in the future, I think about something that Albert Einstein once wrote in uh, quote, the religion of the future will be a cosmic religion. It should transcend a personal God and avoid dogma and theology. Covering both the natural and the spiritual, it should be based on a religious sense arising from the experience of all things, natural and spiritual, as a meaningful unity. All right, now let me break that down a little bit. So it would be a cosmic religion. It would embrace the cosmos. It would transcend a personal God, ideas about that. It would avoid dogma and theology, and it would cover both the natural and the spiritual. It would be based on a religious sense arising from the experience of all things natural and spiritual as a meaningful unity. A religion that would embrace the entire cosmos, you know. Walt Whitman would really like that kind of religion. Now, that's all that Einstein says in that particular bit. Uh, but from his other writing, it's relatively clear that he means a god like Spinoza's, the power of the natural observable universe being a, some sort of deity. Einstein wanted to see a religion that avoided dogma and theology. So there's no must-dos, there's no creeds or unscientific speculation, no claims about what some sort of God would want, just wonder and awe. And he wanted to see a religious sense that arose from that awe and wonder of both the natural, uh, that's you know, the objective observable reality, and also our subjective realities. Uh, and those would create the wonder and the awe that then would lead to this uh, life of spirituality and action. Needless to say, Einstein, uh, Einstein's religion is not the dominant religion in the United States today. In the U.S., we have uh, made a fetish of individuality, which is why probably we're so keen on inventing personal gods. Einstein and Spinoza understood that personal gods underwrite and obey individual egotism and narcissism. My ideal religion would oppose individualism and solipsism, insisting upon social participation, communal good, and engagement in community. Like Einstein, I would embrace an idea from the German philosopher G.W.F. Hegel, uh, who thought that the generative freedom of not knowing was very, very important. Hegel calls that the fluidity of thought, which is itself a precondition of enlightenment, not knowing and accepting that. Uh, fluidity, em embracing the mystery, and no irritable reaching. The British humanist philosopher Harold Blackham said, humanism is about the world, not about humanism. 
And that's something too many humanists uh, forget about, including me. I, I really enjoy philosophical and theological thought, actually. And like too many humanists, I too often neglect to talk about what humanism means to people who choose it as a way of living life on this planet. In other words, I don't have to dream up a religion. Uh, humanism is my ideal religion. It, it's only that I forget that my humanism is not the humanism for anybody but me. Uh, there are a whole lot of humanisms for a whole lot of people who practice them. Uh, that's what makes me both supportive of and concerned by the wholesale exit from organized religion that is occurring in our time. Uh, of course, I'm supportive in that I do not believe that creed-based religion can ever reflect the freedom that the individual mind requires to fully embrace the meaning and the purpose of our existence. That fluidity of thought, which is itself a precondition of enlightenment, as Sagels put it. Uh, I don't think that ready-made, off-the-rack traditions can meet the needs of individual people. One-size-fits-all doesn't work well uh, for hats or for shoes or for religions, for that matter. So I'm excited by the wholesale questioning of religion in general that is going on in our time. I believe that the questioning is often on firm moral and ethical grounds. On the other hand, I am concerned that people are leaving congregations because I believe that congregations, or at least stable small groups, are a central way we human beings support each other, care for each other, keep each other sane, question each other, and you know that was the insight of the early Unitarian humanists like John Dietrich. You know, the columnist uh, David Brooks was at one time uh, solidly conservative, but the developments in recent years have kind of made him waver a little bit on that. Um, recently, he wrote in a column, quote, others have to be reminded of the basic rules for perceiving reality. They have to be reminded that all truth is God's truth, that inquiry strengthens faith, that it is narcissistic self-idolatry to think you can create your own truth based on how you feel. There will probably have to be pastors and local leaders who model and admire evidence-based reasoning wrestling with ideas, end quote. Now, I don't think there's any God's truth out there, except insofar that I'm a religious naturalist and uh, God's truth is the uh, mathematical truths of the universe. It's the laws. Uh, with that, you know, I agree with Spinoza and Einstein. As a humanist, though, I absolutely agree with David Brooks that inquiry strengthens faith. As a matter of fact, I'd go so far as to say that inquiry is an act of faith or is faith, seeking meaning and purpose in a cosmic reality that pretty clearly does not care about what we humans do, well, that questioning that we do then creates the faith that we have, or I guess I would rather call it belief. And I adamantly believe that it is narcissistic self-idolatry to think you can create your own truth based on what you feel. I agree with Brooks on that one. 
that's why I believe that philosophy and religion and living a life are best accomplished in community, supportive, nurturing community, but community that's strong enough for each to question both themselves and the ideas of others, supporting each other's journeys, as we say in our aspirations, but not hypnotized by the truths we're finding on our own journeys. Then David Brooks adds, there will probably have to be pastors and local leaders who model and admire evidence-based reasoning wrestling with ideas, end quote. Uh, now, at this moment in American history, I would say there's no probably about that. Admires evidence-based reasoning, wrestles with ideas. Uh, well, at least if you don't see your ministers at First Unitarian Society wrestling with ideas, you're not watching. Uh, sure, of course we're going to question the silly ideas of QAnon, but I hope that we also question the pieties of white progressivism. Humanism, number one, is not snake oil, and we're not trying to sell you something. We, each minister and every person in our congregation, has the absolute duty to question everything all the time. Doubt is an acid that burns everything, and that is all right with us. It has to be all right with all of us. That's how new ways of thinking are born. Baruch Spinoza gave us the tools, he gave us the acid of doubt to realize the kind of cosmic religion that Einstein later describes. For his trouble, Spinoza was excommunicated from his synagogue in Amsterdam. In a letter in 1675, he wrote to an acquaintance, he never said this out loud in print, but he wrote in a letter, quote, the eternal wisdom of God has shown itself forth in all things, but chiefly in the mind of man, and most of all in Jesus, end quote. What? No, Spinoza was not converting to Christianity of all the Protestants around him in Amsterdam, but rather he was saying that Jesus, a Jew, embodied the eternal wisdom of God by burning through the assumptions of his time with that acid of doubt. That was his ideal. It was a very human thing that Jesus did, according to Spinoza. Spinoza was crystal clear that we must have freedom of religion because individuals cannot be authentically religious without the freedom to deeply question religions and even to stop being religious, as did he. In that, Spinoza was right along with uh, John Dietrich when Dietrich wrote this. For centuries, the idea of God has been the very heart of religion. It's been said, no God, no religion. But humanism thinks of religion as something very different and far deeper than a belief in God. To it, religion is not the attempt to establish belief in a supernatural power, but rather the upreaching and aspiring impulse in a human life. It is life striving for the best kind of fulfillment, and anything that contributes to that fulfillment is religious whether it's associated with an idea of God or not, end quote. Very different and far deeper. 
That's what Spinoza was saying as well. It's what Einstein was saying. And the Jesus that Spinoza saw in the Christian Gospels said, question everything. Something very simple has been ripping Christianity apart for a very long time, at least all the way back to the Protestant Reformation. And Spinoza was seeing it even in his own time. It was the center of the Reformation of the 1600s. It's what convinced me to give up Christianity uh, when I was a little kid. And it's what has convinced millions of people to give up Christianity and maybe you as well. And that big thing is the mismatch between the moral stance of the Jesus that's depicted in the scripture and the Christ of the Christian churches. A moral outlook that puts humanity and thought before religion and tradition. That's what's happening all around us today. It's why there well, once were Lutherans and then there weren't. It's why there were Quakers. It's why people stopped being Lutherans and Quakers and evangelicals and Muslims and on and on. They suddenly realize they themselves have a higher morality than does their religion. So very many people see what Spinoza saw so long ago. There is a moral force to freedom of thought that is an acid that burns away creeds and traditions. And it also burns away confusions and lies. And that, remember that quote I had from Harold Blackham, the humanist philosopher, humanism is about the world, not about humanism. There are many, many humanisms. The humanism of First Unitarian Society of Minneapolis is a humanism that has sustained over time. It's lasted through decades, adapting, questioning, growing, and embodying. Yes, as a moral philosophy, humanism can be heady and abstract. But in a humanist congregation, the human bodies that make up the beings that have pa passed through and preserved the congregation day to day, month to month, year to year, they, we embody that truth. And it's way more profound than anything any of us can individually think. We humanists think that religions are the products of the human imagination, human dreaming, and this congregation has gone about making this religion of ours by going on despite stock market collapses and wars and epidemics. The goal of our congregational humanism is the flourishing of every human and living thing in the planet itself. And yeah, that's kind of a tall order, saving the world, but it is a worthy purpose. Our central humanist truths, I think, are two. One, we need to be here for each other. And two, human beings can fix human problems. Back in 1949, uh, FUS Minister Carl Storm told us about his dream for humanism. Whatever we may think about the universe and whatever we may think about God, this earth is our common home and our fellowship is of necessity with one another, Carl Storm wrote. We have tools and resources needful for a better life and a world made good. And whether we call ourselves humanists or theists or something else, we had better commit ourselves to the compelling common task. The compelling common task. And that's despite all of our differences. And 
you know, that was quite a dream that Carl Storm had back in 1949. But today I'm inviting all of us to dream as well. So go ahead, get out there and make your life a blessing to the world because I know you want to. Thanks for listening. You can find much more about humanism and what's happening at First Unitarian Society in Minneapolis by visiting our website at firstunitarian.org.